used to the kids leaving. I'm like sitting. What? We got another special music, but no, it's me. It's me. Well, listen, it's Homecoming Sunday, and on Homecoming Sunday, this is the one Sunday a year where we talk about ourselves. We talk about who we are as a church, kind of where we've been and where we're going. That's what we do on Homecoming Sunday. And so it's a little bit of a different feel as we think about how we walk through passages of Scripture and where we bring application and how we even think about the next step on a Homecoming Sunday. We do it once a year. But it's not without precedent. In the New Testament, we see the Apostle Paul doing just this thing. The Apostle Paul goes out into the Roman world and he plants churches. And then what does he do? He goes back and he visits those churches and then he writes them letters. And when he writes these letters, he often reminds them who they are, where they've been, and where they're going as Christians in this place. And in one of those letters, he does just that. He reminds them about who they are and And he explains exactly what the dynamics are in play as they meet and they worship together. And it's from that letter. I want to frame just a few thoughts about us here at East 10. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to 1 Corinthians. We will start in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. There's just a few passages in this letter that Paul wrote to the Christians gathering together in the ancient city of Corinth. This is a major metropolitan city. But there were only a few Christians at the time. And as they met and they worshipped, they needed some guidance along the way. So Paul meets with them. And then when absent, writes a letter to them. That becomes what we know as 1 Corinthians. And there are just a few places here that can frame how we understand ourselves as a church family. We'll pick up chapter 6, verse 9. Here's what Paul writes. And do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now, don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So when we think about these Christians in the city of Corinth meeting together, worshiping together, we need to not just think about people who were perfect, we need to be thinking about people who were far from perfect. Some of the people that were gathering in these houses, worshiping together, They used to lie and cheat and steal. It's not out of the question that you had people worshiping together where one spouse slept with another person's spouse. And then they came to Jesus and he began to change everything. They repented and they said, I'm sorry. And relationships were restored. But among them, there were adulterers. There were people who had relationships With people of the same sex. There were people who used to go to the temple and worship idols. These, you can imagine, that's a lot of different kind of people. People you would never expected to put together. And yet they came to Jesus. And Jesus changed them. And they started meeting together. And worshiping the name of Jesus. 
this is some kind of organization when you put these kind of people together only because of Jesus. Now, it wasn't rainbows and unicorns. It's not like they came to Jesus and everybody gets along and we all sing Kumbaya. This is a church that, that just doesn't have a bunch of different people, but it's a church that had conflict. Now, if you read the whole letter of 1 Corinthians, you'd probably be surprised with some of the conflict. Actually, in the church, and we're not going to read this passage, but I want to set the stage. In the church, there's a young man sleeping with his stepmom. And Paul's got to confront it. All here in the New Testament, right here in the Bible. But all of them gathering, worshiping together. Man, they are not perfect. And when you get a bunch of not perfect people together, you're going to have conflict. And that was just the case here among the Christians in Corinth. And right out of the gate, Paul actually acknowledges this, that there's conflict. If we go back to chapter 1, chapter 1, we'll pick up verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. He writes this. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's house, household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Another says, I follow Cephas. And still another says, I follow Christ. And then verse 13. Is Christ divided? So you can imagine as all these different people come into the church, God changing them from what they used to be. Well, there's conflict along the way. And in this conflict in particular, some are saying, I watch CNN, and others say, I watch Fox News. Some say, I voted for Biden. I voted for Trump. Like, literally, you have all of that right there. I follow this. I follow that. Paul says, yes, yes, differences, yes, conflict. But you work through the conflict putting Jesus at the center. So we get through the conflict. But the differences... The differences should never break them up. This is very important for Paul. It's something that we could unpack for hours here, understanding how he understands differences in the church. But though they are to work through the conflict, those differences, because there are differences among that many different people, they are never to break them. Let me, let me summarize it this way. I just tried to make it real concise here. Paul is going to say throughout the letter, and I'm summarizing here, their differences aren't an excuse for giving up on the church. Their differences are actually part of God's design. You look at that group of people, adulterers and idolaters, people who used to have relationships with the same sex, thieves. When you put those people together, you would think, I can't go there. And Paul says, yeah, I know you got quarrels. We're going to get through the quarrels. But the differences... You don't get to just give up on church because different kinds of people start worshiping with you. Actually, God designed it that way to put all kinds of different people together under Jesus. And in chapter 12 of this letter, he's going to give one of the most detailed explanations of what the church is. It's one of the most detailed explanations in all the New Testament, exactly how God has put all these different people together under Jesus. So if you want to come there, chapter 12, chapter 12, we'll start with verse 12. Here's what Paul writes. A lengthy passage, but one I think we can relate to. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, 
but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For you were all baptized by one spirit so to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many parts. Now, if the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Now the eye, it can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head, it can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think that are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need to be need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. I really don't think this needs much explanation. I think Paul nails it. That's what a church is. It's made up of many members all functioning as one. No one person gets to make all the decisions. No one person is in control of everything. No one person has the market on wisdom. There's one head, that's Jesus, and then everyone else has a function in the one body. That's the way God has set this up. And you can imagine in Corinth, right? So you have this idolater, and I'm sure they knew him. They knew his name. He probably had a reputation. And here he comes into the church. I imagine there would have been people, maybe people who'd been meeting for a couple years, and then that person walks in, and Paul here says, that's just as God has designed it. God did want that person part of this church, because that person brings something that you need, just as you provide something they need. And I imagine when the adulterer walked in, there was grumbling in the congregation, or when the former homosexual walks in, there's grumbling in the church. All these different people. And yet twice, Paul says, God has put it together just as he wants so that the body works as one. And not only does he like put people together, he gives people gifts. Like, I, I've given you this talent, this passion, this desire. The Holy Spirit has given you something so that you can bless others. Now, Paul actually will talk about this in another letter, the letter he writes to the Christians that were in Rome, that were gathering, those churches. And he says it a little more concisely, so let's read that little, that more concise passage. He writes this, Romans 12, 4 through 8. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, 
So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Now, if your gift is prophesying, well, then prophesy according with your, uh, in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. God gives each person gifts and passions and desires, and we are to use those to help others. And so if you just have a heart for caring for people, maybe you're the person that needs to be writing cards and sending texts just to help those that are just down and maybe feeling sad. That's a gift God's given you. And if you've got money, you need to give lots of money. I feel like that was ready made for me to say that. I didn't make it up. It's in the Bible. If you can teach, right? If you can teach, then teach. This is the thing I love about the way that God has put together the Bible. No one person carries all the gifts. They're distributed among all of us. So I'll summarize it this way. If I take everything we've just said, it's just a shorter teaching this morning. Here's the way I'd summarize it. This way. All the parts work together. And every person contributes according to their gifts and strengths. And, and in that way, the church grows and it expands. That's the way God's designed it. So when we think about, you know, just those few passages in this letter to the Corinthians, how, in the, how would that frame, you know, our experience, how we understand ourselves here at East 10th? Well, i got a few ways, so let's talk about that. This is where it gets real practical and real personal for our church family. If you are not part of the East 10th family and you're, like, visiting, just I hope maybe you could take some of this and it, like, maybe translates into where you go to church. Just, just know, like, we're having a little bit of an in-house application here uh, this morning. Here we go. One is this. We're made up of different people. And I mean that literally, East 10, we are different people. And as we grow, more and more different kinds of people are going to show up. And I hope we continue to see different colors of skin, different ethnicities. I would say languages, but I only speak English. Um, but, but the goal here is as we grow, we're going to continue to bring in all kinds of different people. And in a small town, I have learned... Some people got reputations. If you only knew what I heard about George before I came. Uh, but, but here's the thing. What better place for all of us to be than inside the church where we are under the influence of Jesus, where he continues to change us. Man, there are going to be people, I am sure, in this town that show up in this church and we're going to go, they showed up. And I'm learning the town more and more. So I'll have that experience one day, too. But everyone that's joined, I love. They have, they, they've all been perfect. But there's a day coming when someone shows up, right? But, but there are going to be people that show up in this church that you got some history with, I'm sure. And there are people in this church that you already have history with. And there are going to be people who are on the low end of the socioeconomic scale. And we're going to have people that are on the higher end. And we're going to have a lot of people in between. And as all these different people come among, uh, you know, come and worship together, we do it under the name of Jesus. And so I just want to acknowledge, with, gro with growth, with where this church has been and where we go, will be lots and lots of different kinds of people.
And that's exactly the way God has intended it. So bring the different people, right? Now, you might have a name or two where you say, yes, Lord, but. He'll take away that but. All right. Here's the second application of this. We have conflict, but we don't give up. So let's just, let's just acknowledge all of us in this room are human beings. All of us have different personalities with different histories and different backgrounds and different experiences with each other. I have no doubt, and I already know it, there are some people in this room that don't always like each other. And there are some people in this room that sometimes don't like decisions that are made by the church. Sometimes they voice them louder than others. That's the nature of a church. Is when you bring different kinds of people together, there's going to be conflict. And the more people that come into this church, the more potential we have for conflict. So I just want to like prep. I love the idea of growing. Man, isn't it cool to see people like coming around the name of Jesus? We're doing this together as a church family. But as that happens, the potential for conflict grows. Right? I'm just going to use this. I haven't used my kids in a while. When we only had Ryland and Ethan, our house was perfect. <laughs> Someone's about to say, the preacher just lied on stage. But then we had Ava. And we love Ava. But Ava and Ryland don't always get along. But then we had Micah. And Micah can just be very persistent. Those two little ones multiplied the conflict in our house. The same will go for our church. So just be ready for it. It will happen. But we do what the Corinthians did. We will work through any conflict that comes into this church. And we will also embrace our differences because God will use it. But here's the thing I love about our church. This church has never split. Never. This church has had conflict over the years. And I've been able to hear stories about some of those conflicts over the years. But not once did the church split. One of the reasons that Tess and I showed up at this church is because of its stability and its love for each other. That's why we showed up. And you can't say that for a lot of churches. Now, before we ever arrived, we, we talked with Kathy. And... Kathy told us, you know, gave us some background on the church and her time here, many decades here at East Tenth. And one story really has really stuck with me. She said, oh, over the years, there'd be grumblings in the church and there'd be conflict would pop up and rumors would move about. And it was in those times when Clyde Wheeler, who preached here for over 40 years, he would bring back, he'd be bring back his a sermon he would preach every once in a while. And Kathy calls it the we don't do that here sermon. We don't do that here. And every once in a while, Clyde have to preach that. Because in the midst of grumbling or rumors or conflict, the church had to be reminded, we will keep the main things the main things. And you might have beef with someone. You can work that out. But we're going to keep the main things, the main things. We don't split over conflicts. Now, if we leave the main things, then leave. But this church, as long as at least I'm here and our leaders are in place, 
just as it has been ever since this church started, this church will stand on the Bible as the inerrant, infallible Word of God. This Bible will never become unbound like a loose-leaf notebook where we can just take and pick and choose what we want in here. We will always stand on the Word of God, even when it makes us uncomfortable, right? Yeah, it makes us uncomfortable a lot. It makes me uncomfortable. But we will preach the Bible, and we will keep loving each other. One of the things I've loved about listening to stories of people who have just joined, they love the preaching. Man, they love the preaching. <laughs> you need to keep the preacher. Keep the preacher. But seriously, here's, here's the thing that, that, that I have heard so consistently. The people there are so loving. The people there are so loving. Literally, I don't think anybody can visit this church and not shake ten hands or get a hug from somebody. This is a loving church. This church will consistently be a loving church, and we will love God. Now, those are the main things. So whatever conflicts come in our way, whatever grumblings will move through us over the years, we will never, way, uh, never go wayward from the Bible and loving each other and loving God. And whatever conflicts we have, we will work through them. Because, I look at you, Kathy, because it has stuck with me, we don't do that here. We don't split here. We keep moving forward. Okay? Last. Here we go. We're contributors, not consumers. Isn't a really big point, and it was very clear to me, even as we started to get to know East 10th, I'll never forget Pat Smith telling me the stories of how she would go around with her family and many other people when this church first started, and they were selling baked goods because they were building something and, and trying to develop something over here. And as they were growing, they literally, all of them got involved. From the smallest kids up to the adults, they contributed to this church being what it is. I've heard stories about how when new buildings were being built, they didn't have enough money to do it on their own. They were going to have to go in debt. And what did they do? Many families signed $1,000 notes so that if the church couldn't do it, they'd pick up $1,000. And they would make sure the church, it, it, it would continue, and they would not default on a loan. And so many families said, we don't know how we're going to do it, but we'll sacrifice to make it happen. That's contributors. This building we're in right now was literally built by many of your relatives, many of those that you know, sweat, and I'm sure there's some blood somewhere up in the rafters. I uh, No doubt this church was built with sweat and blood. And those two rooms were just put together by one of our own, right? Like it continues. I was reading an article by a pastor who was talking about this difference between contributors and consumers, and I really liked one thing he said, so I just wanted to share it. Here's what he said. A consumer comes to sit and get. A contributor looks to go and serve, right? Now, I want to be careful here. At any one moment in, a, in the life of a church, particularly like in this moment, sometimes people start to visit a church and they just kind of want to get the feel of a church and they want to try it out. And sometimes they want to try it out for months. This point is not for you if that's, if that's the case. This isn't a guilt trip to say, hey, welcome to your second time. What are you going to do? Like, that's not what we're trying to do here. Like, sometimes people need to come and just get to know a church. That's fine. And it's also true that sometimes people leave a church 
under some really difficult circumstances. Sometimes the church leaves the foundation of the Bible. And in that case, the church just left you. You didn't leave the church. And it's time to find a church family that will stand on the Scriptures, right? And when you that, that's a really difficult transition. And in that case, sometimes people just need to show up in a church and just heal. Just, just be. Like you come and you be blessed for a year or two. You don't need to, you don't want to feel guilty because you're not like jumping in into the volunteer pool. Sometimes you just need to be blessed. So I understand there, that's the case for us too. And there's also sometimes where people get burnt out where they're at, right? Like they're at a church and they're the only volunteer or they're like one of a few and they had to do everything and they're just burned. And then they come and they find a church and you know what they don't want to do? go jump back in the rat race. They just want to come and be blessed. And so, man, we got some of those people here too. Like, come, just be blessed, right? Like, that's not you being a consumer. That's you healing. That's you learning on how to find a, the right rhythm with worship again. So this whole point is not to guilt anybody in anything. But it is to say that at some point, when you're with a church long enough, you need to make a decision on what you'll be. And East Tenth, we're going to be contributors. And this church has a long history of being a church of contributors, not consumers. So if you come to this church for a long time and you're still sitting and getting, it's time for you to go and serve. That's where, that's where the strong word would be. But I have a sense that you know where that is and where you are on your journey, wherever you're at. And, and let me... One more story to just illustrate this. When Chris Stowe, our new youth minister, when we were interviewing with him, he asked me, he said, hey, how many, like, how many volunteers are there in the children and youth ministry? He said, because right now at the church we're currently at, we have, we have a few, but really it's like me and Kristen do a, a lot. And I said, well, let me just not tell you. Here's the list. And we had dozens of volunteers on that list that contribute, helping with nursery and our children's church and our pre-K and our youth. We have so many people who are contributing just in that area. And he almost didn't believe me. But that's the kind of church we are. So my challenge is, right, that maybe, maybe if you're not and you've been here for a while, it might be the moment to start thinking about how you can contribute rather than just consuming. But I'm going to let God work with you on what that might look like. So here's the next step. This is what this all drives to. And this is very, very specific. I'm going to tell you a pet peeve I have in just a second. Let me read you the next step. And then I'll share with you a pet peeve. Then I'll tell you how it looks at East 10. Sign up to serve on an E10 ministry team. That's my call. That's my next step for you. Those that it would apply to, right? Okay? Here's my pet peeve. There are churches across the country, often they're very contemporary, modern, and they're growing. But to, to, to man a, a growing church, you've got to have lots of volunteers. And what I have seen time and time again is preachers who will teach the Bible and they'll use the Bible to guilt you into doing something for the church as if the only application is for this church because only God works here. That's not what I'm doing. 
I want you to go serve wherever you might worship if this is not your church home. But for those of you that are here at East 10th and you're in a season where you're ready, okay, I want you to sign up for a ministry team. So this is very specific, but I'm not trying to guilt you and I'm not trying to manipulate the Bible to get you there. But if you're not yet serving in some way, I want you to maybe think about this might be the opportunity for you to finally take that step. Now, years ago, the leadership put together a document, 30-some pages, to help people know where you could serve. A long description, the names of those who are serving. And this was the ministry manual right here. This is uh, several years old now. I thought it was better not to hand you this. So Amy Cagle and I, uh, we worked for over a month, and we took this old ministry manual of over 15 teams. We recategorized some things, tried to make it fit where we currently are, and we came up with a list of 10 teams. So these are the E10 ministry teams. You could put that image on the screen. just so, And this is just, that's just part of the list. And I'll give you one example, and we'll close out. There used to be a greeters team. You don't see this on the screen. We have so many people coming now. It'd be nice to have some people greeting in the parking lot, greeting at the door, saying good morning, you know, right here at the, at the bottom of the stairs. Now, how you'll get a seat if you're greeting up until 10, that's on you. Okay? I don't know how. We haven't figured all that out. Um, but there are, there are opportunities. And so maybe you're like, man, I could shake some hands in the parking lot every, you know, once a month. Do know this, if you sign up for one of these teams, you're not signing your life away. It's not like, oh man, like, you signed up as a greeter, thank you, every week we would like you here. No, like, we want to start a rotation. But what you're going to see on the bulletin board is you're going to see lists with each one of these teams. And over the next few weeks, if you're not yet serving anywhere, would you think about signing up on a team? I'll let you know we have added security and medical as a team. Um... I don't know exactly what security is going to look like. It'll probably include a gun. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're already in the room. I'm just saying we're probably going to acknowledge that. Um, <laughs> so what I just did was just, I mean, now we're going to have like 30 people sign up. Gun? I'll do it. I'll bring a gun. <laughs> Some of these teams we're going to like, we're going to have to like flesh out, right? Like as we... As we, like, build out the team, some of these are a bit new. So you're going to be patient with us along the way. Um, now, if you're already on a team, you don't need to re-sign up, okay? So if you're already, like, in children and youth, you don't need to re-sign up for children and youth. This isn't like a renewal program. This is if you aren't really doing anything, maybe it's time. So when we do communion today, when we do our response time, we put these on nice card stock at the offering plates. Pick one up, think about it, maybe pray about it. And think about maybe where you could serve. The cool thing is, is when you serve, guess what? You're also going to get to know people that you didn't know, right? That's a key way that we begin to shepherd one another, is we serve together. One last challenge this morning, it really doesn't have to do with serving. But as you go to eat today at the potluck, I'm not going to, like, give some biblical demand, you know, with the threat of hellfire, that if you don't do this, you're in trouble, but maybe you could sit with people or at least talk with people that you don't yet know. Let the potluck be an opportunity where you get to know people. There's a lot of new people among us. Take an opportunity to get to know each other. Um, use this as that opportunity. So you're not required to sit with different people, 
But if God has seen so fit to take every table away from you except that one, and you don't know anyone sitting there, maybe that's your sign. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word and how it challenges us, and thanks for how you put the church together. Thanks for what you're doing at East 10. Thanks for what you did decades before some of us ever got here. And all the dedication and faithfulness, those shoulders we stand on and we move forward from. Now go with us into the future, whatever that looks like. Fast growth, slow growth, whatever. We will continue to stand on your word. We'll love each other. We'll love you. We'll exalt Jesus, encouraging one another. We'll keep the main things the main things. Help us along the way as conflict emerges, differences arise. And help us have the Scriptures right in front of us along the way. We pray that in the name of Him who died for us, who loves us, Jesus. Amen.